This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. So starting tonight, the Yankees need the help from the Mets. Well, I could have told you what was going to happen. We'll discuss it with Gordon next. Join us at 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at Gordon Damer at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM along with JP and Brian DeBrain. We're here until midnight. Freddie and Fitz take over then with the conversation here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Hello, Gordon. Larry, how are we feeling tonight? We're doing good, my friend. How are you? Well, you know, if the uh, Rays can get a couple of base hits here in this eighth inning, a couple of guys on, a couple of guys out against the mm-hmm. Blue Jays, I'll be feeling a little bit better. But nice to see the Yankees uh, actually show up, the offense actually show up for a, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, a second straight day, you know, baby steps. <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> well, you know what? They realized, like I did, like Don LaGreca, like most Met fans, <laughs> don't count on help from them. Yeah. Don't count on help from them. No, I, I mean, going into the night, I, I did not expect any help. And then when they had the early 2 nothing lead, I'm thinking, well, you know, stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. And then it was 2-2. Mets had that one, uh, where was it, a uh, couple guys on, Alonzo up and uh, did nothing there and, and really have done nothing since. And the Red Sox have uh, overtaken them. And, uh, no, the Mets are not going to be helping out the Yankees uh, tonight at least. Well, you know what, Gordon? It is really – and you understand this as a Yankee fan because you've seen it time after time. But it is the anatomy of a season was the two-run inning. They had no, they had bases loaded, nobody out. Yeah. <laughs> and, you only, and you end up with two runs. I mean, that's where you expand. That's where you blow it open. And then they had opportunities to add runs. And guess what? <laughs> they didn't. So that's why they're in the position they're in right now. It's not a surprise that they didn't add runs, but it is a surprise. I mean – Baseball is supposed to be about the evening out, right? Like if Mm -hmm. a team is really cold, they'll get eventually hot. If a team is hot, they'll eventually cool off. It's the everyday. The Mets, I mean, it it seems like it's been this way all season long. The worst situation they can find themselves in offensively is with the bases loaded and, and, and one out. I mean, it's amazing how time and time again they never get, even as you said, an inning where they had a couple of runs, there's a chance to blow it open early. And they're just never able to get that chance. And and look, if they, if this were the Rangers or the Orioles or you know some really bottom of the barrel team, you'd say, all right, well they just don't, you know. But even those teams, every once in a while they'll come through with the big hit. It doesn't seem like the Mets have ever come through with the big hit this year. Because they're not that good. No, clearly, I mean that's the only that's, that's the it. only thing you can take from it. Um, I thought they were better than this, but they're not even going to finish the season above five hundred. That's scary. That's scary because you look at the top. Listen, Lindor, Baez, Alonzo, just three, right? right? Just three. That should that should be the hub of you. That should be the hub of your offense right there. And I get it. Baez was here late. I understand, but still, Alonzo. And listen, Gordon, he's had a decent year. I mean, considering no, he's, been he, the he's only actually one. yeah, absolutely. He's he's had a decent year. Um, but uh, it's amazing to me with. And again, guys, you would think that eventually would start to – look, at this point, I guess nobody – they're not, you know, Conforto's not going to figure it out. Nope. Neil's not going to figure it out. Nope. Um, but, you know, you take a look at that lineup, and it's not a lineup where you're like, oh, my God, how are they ever going to score runs? You'd think that that would be, you know, probably one of the strengths of the team was scoring runs, and that has not been that way this year. And um, they're going to have a lot of changes in the offseason anyway, but um, they got to get to a bo- get to the bottom of why guys struggled as much as they did this year. I'm sure some of them are not going to be back. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And we'll talk Mets and Yankees a little bit later after the games are over. But, Gordon, I wanted to start out. We did so much Jets yesterday. I want to talk about the Giants. Okay. Because there's a lot of con- a lot of conversation about them playing this Atlanta club. And, Gordon, can you think about this? Could the Giants lose on the day they retire Eli Manning's jersey? Could they, could they have a bad game on that day? This Giants team? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you've seen it time and time again. Now, I don't think they will. And mm-hmm. if they were ever to not play well against the Falcons, well, then all bets are off. Yeah. Um, I actually think that the way people were talking about last week, to me, it's actually this week, right? Like yes. if you lose this week, it's over. To me, losing last week was not – it's not over because you're in the NFC East – but if you lose not only three in a row to start the year, but lose to this Falcons team, which does not have a lot on defense. I mean, they have been – I mean, they got eaten up by the Falcons. Uh, they got eaten up by the Eagles in the opening week. And then mm-hmm. a game that looked like, hey, you know what, maybe it might be a little bit close. All of a sudden, um, the, the Buccaneers were able to blow them out late. So um, this is not a good Falcons defense. They might be able to put up some points. You know, Matt Ryan is still, you know, not uh, completely over it. They do have some weapons on offense. But, yeah, if the Giants were ever to lose this game. And you know what? The, the scariest number to me, Larry, over the weekend, you know, I'm taking a look at, uh, at the lines for week three, even before week two is played. Mm-hmm. Do you realize on Saturday the Giants were only favored at home against the Falcons by a point and a half? Wow. <laughs> now, it's, now it's moved up to three. Okay. But even that, at home against yeah. the Falcons? Yeah. It's not good. That's not a great sign, and at least so far, you know, like we talked before the season about how there was a, the, the two groups, like Vegas did not believe in the Giants. Mm-hmm. So far, Vegas has kind of been right. I mean, they're 0-2 to start the year. I don't think the season's over. Daniel Jones has played far better than I think a lot of us thought he would, but uh, they, they, I mean, this is must-win time. You lose this game, and then, this, I mean, forget it. All, all bets are off. Then you're wondering who's staying. It's not yeah. a matter of who's it's, going. It, you wonder who's, not, yeah, who's it's staying. It's not going to be a long list, right? No, no, it won't be. Sterling Shepard was on with Bart and Han earlier today on 98.7 ESPN. They're on from noon to three. And Sterling told the guys the team's confidence, you know, they asked him, is it wavering after the 0-2 start? Here's what Sterling Shepard had to say. No, not at all. You look at those games and you know, we're right in them. And I think we're really close as a team. We just got to hone in on some of the small details. I mean, that's what this game really comes down to. Everybody's talented in this league. It's going to come down to the small things. And that's what we have to take care of in order to get those close calls and those, uh, those W's at the end of the day. Now, I'm not one for, you know, the, the fuzzy feel good. Well, you know, this could have been that way. This could have been not, not normally. But I will say this, Gordon, if you're a Giant fan, you had to feel better with your team's performance last week as opposed to game one. Because really, as you mentioned, Daniel Jones played well. The defense played better. Uh, and you really should have won that game. You, you, know, you shot yourself in the foot to lose that game. So really, more than the first week when you lost to Washington, you should be one and one. Clearly. Easily. Yep. But, I mean... We've seen this before, right? I mean, good teams find ways to win. Bad teams find ways to lose. Yeah. I'm not going to say the Giants are a bad team this year, but they have been a bad team in the past. They they, they had, what, 11 penalties in the game. And, and again, that was against a backup quarterback. I know. And they let that guy just walk up and down the field in crunch time. Two yeah. separate, you know, for all the time that people are talking about, oh, they only took 16 seconds off the clock. 
they allowed uh, Taylor Heineke to go down the field in 17 seconds to score a touchdown. The giant defense, what was supposed to be the strength of the team, yeah. they have got to show up this week. I, I don't want to hear any excuses. I don't want to hear anything. They got to win this game, and the defense has to put up their best effort of the season. And with the way they played the first two weeks, that should not be hard. No, it shouldn't. And they did have a few moments where they were decent. But you're right, Gordon. The, considering what we expected, I'll speak for myself, what I expected from this defense based on the way they played last year, there's no resemblance to this defense whatsoever. There's no communication. They're not really getting a pass rush. I mean, they did a decent job on Heineke, but just you should have been, he should have been running for his life. He was not running for his life. And as you mentioned, the thing that really got me, and we talked about it, was two plays to get seven, seven to get seven right after you score. Okay, your team scores, and then you two plays, and Washington's right back in there. So uh, I don't know what they have to do. And listen, as even though Matt Ryan is not. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice in his prime, he's still a dangerous quarterback, Gordon. You got to put some pressure on him because if you let him sit back there, he'll eat you alive. Yep. Uh, and, um, you know, last week it wasn't like the, the that Washington has all these weapons, right? It was McLaurin. They, they just kept throwing the pass to him. Yeah. Anywhere he was, they just kept – and he, he kept being able to get open against Bradbury. So Bradbury's got to be better. I mean, you, you were expecting him – to pick right up where he left off last year, you were expecting the defense to pick up right where it left. I mean, defense is the thing that's supposed to travel, right? Like, you mm-hmm. didn't expect that there was going to be a lot of, you know, it's not like something fluky like turnovers or fumbles from a year ago. You know, sometimes that stuff fluctuates from year to year and there's no real rhyme or reason for it. The defense is supposed to be the bedrock of how this Giants team was built. And through two weeks, there's not been a lot of pass rush. I mean, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater the first week. Oh. I mean, he was he was setting up camp back there, and, and then Tyler Heineke outside of you know the pass rush a little early on with uh, Ojolari getting to him. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was another play here or there where he had to kind of make a play outside the pocket. But no, I mean he was he was able to do whatever he wanted. So I get you. You're right. Matt Matt uh, Ryan is is older now. Doesn't have the weapons. No Julio Jones is there. But if you're going to allow him to stand back there and just kind of you know have time to throw. Giants defense has got to be – they got to figure out the pass rush and, and be able to, to to get some heat on him. And this this should not – if the Giants have any – forget about win. If the Giants have any hopes of doing anything this year, this game should not be close. No, it's true. This it's is true. desperation time. Yeah. You should dominate. You have to dominate. It's a home game. Home game against a bad team with, with no defense. I mean, their defense, uh, I think um, – Outside of like the first quarter, they did not get a lot of pass rush on Brady uh, last week, and uh, obviously it showed. So <laughs> Daniel Jones has been good so far these two weeks. Outside of the fumble, the week one, right? Like mm-hmm. if he didn't have that, you would we would all be singing Daniel Jones's praises because that fumble came at the worst possible time. True, and the offense was was pretty good week one, and I think it was very good week two. But mm-hmm. the the defense has got to step up, and they can't have any other slippage, right? Like sometimes a bad team. It's one thing one week. It's another thing another week. They need everything to be clicking on Sunday because they cannot afford – I mean, forget it. I mean, look at how the panic level has already risen at 0-2. 0-3 and the worst of the three teams by far. I mean, like if the Falcons – the Falcons won four games last year. Mm-hmm. If the Falcons win four games this year, it would not surprise anybody. No. So they got the, – the, this, is, this is crisis time for the Giants, and uh, they better get it done.
As a matter of fact, it would be an improvement if they're able to get four before they got four last year. <laughs> right. right. Well, be... they got an extra chance, right? They exactly. Got a the extra game. Things are looking up. So, and, and talk about concern, right? All you need to know is you got Kenny Galladay yelling and screaming at the offensive coordinator on the sidelines. We'll hear what Sterling Shepard had to say about that, and we'll also hear from Kenny Galladay about that situation. Gordon, I guess you left a lasting memory working with Rick DiPietro in the morning, huh? How's that? Why? Because uh, the little flub he had with yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's very early in the morning. <laughs> very early. <laughs> you know, he, when, when, when Dave's there, he can just kind of relax, and, you know, Dave fills up so much of the air that it does, you know, he, whenever he gets a word in, you know, it's... It's not, it's not as re- – I was relying on him far more than Dave is. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. So I got you. I was I making you. him work a little bit more. I got you. You, you passing him the ball more. He had, he had more shots. Yes, he had, <laughs> whether he wanted them or not, you know. <laughs> listen, he's, listen, as an athlete, he's open. He's taking the shots. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's taking them. He's There's the no star of the show, him. right? I'm just the point guy. I'm just the traffic cop. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you did a great job. Uh, Sterling Shepard on Barton Hahn today asked about Galladay's outburst on the sidelines. Here's what he said. That's what this is. This is like a big family, man. I'm sure all you guys have siblings or have family and, you know, things like that happen. Uh, you're going to get frustrated at times, but at the end of the day, we have the conversation, we sit down, we talk about it, and we move forward. And I think that's what point we're at now. We're just moving forward. All right, so let's hear from Kenny Galladay. He just says, it's very simply, I let my emotions get out of hand. Really, you know, that's just come with me a little bit uh really i've never done like nothing, nothing like that either but really just passionate just just being a competitor um you know um i love just doing anything i can to help the team you know and uh you know i let the emotion get the best of me all right kenny were you doing a to telling garrett to get you the ball uh no nah, not so much that uh me talk, just talking to um jg a little bit and you know those that's that's two competitive guys right there and more so just me just want to do anything I can. Not so much give me the ball more, though. I, I couldn't resist. That, 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 that's a big T.O. move, Gordon. <laughs> give me the ball. Give me the, right. I'm open. I'm always open. Wow, Keyshawn, right? I mean, yeah. Keyshawn, that certainly got – he was already in, in you know, the, 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 the focus anyway. But then mm-hmm. when he said that, it really took that, that profile and, and kicked it up even further. Absolutely. It definitely did. It definitely did. And – Listen, Gordon, I get it. There's, there's frustration there. You, you think you're beating your defender. He had a couple of chances to win his battles with the, with the secondary, and, you know, he made a catch. He dropped one. You know, he, he's, they got to find a way to get him involved, Gordon. He, he's, a big, he's a big money option that they brought in, especially in the red zone. And if they can't get Saquon Barkley going, he needs to get going. Listen, Sterling Shepard's good. <laughs> they've got him. He's ready to roll. He's doing a great job these first two games. They need to get Kyle Rudolph going a little bit more, and I get it. I know he had to take him out because of some of the issues that they had blocking and put him on the line of scrimmage to help out. But, you know, listen, Galladay has got to be more involved, and this should be the week for him. Yeah, should be. this is the get-right week because if you, if, <laughs> if, uh, if you don't get right this week, uh, you'll, you'll get lost, uh, right? I mean, this is uh, the, the, the time where the Giants have to, um, to, to get a W. There's no excuses. And just about him shouting on the sidelines, I find it hysterical when people, oh, did you see that? Well, when I, if I were a Giant fan, I'd assume I would be screaming at my TV the same way when you're, you know, you're not getting the ball to your playmakers. You spend all this money in the offseason. 
Saquon's not doing anything. Galladay's not really the, the focus of the offense. So it wasn't like he was up in anyone's face. He wasn't like, it didn't seem like, you know, uh, he was really causing a distraction where he had to be separated from other people. It wasn't the type of thing like Odell where he was just drawing attention to himself. It just happened. The camera caught him on the sidelines. He's frustrated. I want him to be frustrated. I don't want him to be sitting on the bench, um, you know, sitting back and say, well, you know what? I'm getting paid. I don't care. No, he wants to win. He wants to He wants to be a contributor. So um, it all has to do whatever you got to do. <laughs> just make sure it works out this week. Because if you lose to the Falcons, 0-3 has never looked so bad. And you know what's curious about that incident, Gordon? It's different because he's talking to Garrett. If he's talking to the quarterback, that's a different dynamic. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Even and- though you understand that there's passion and everything, and they both want to win, you get it. But, you know, if he's talking to his young quarterback, yelling like, throw me the ball, throw me the ball, it's different than with Garrett. Like, what are you doing? Can, you know, There's some yeah. of these plays that aren't working. Here's what I'm seeing, and you're not calling it. Yeah, and, and at first, because Garrett really is not visible in the clip, so mm-hmm. it does kind of look like he's yelling at Daniel Jones, and Jones's face almost seemed like he was a little ticked off about it, but it seems like he's ticked off at, at Galladay, whereas I think now that you know Garrett's there, I think they're all just ticked off at, 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 at the situation with the offense not being able to get touchdowns, not being able to break the game open. So uh, it's one of those things where you first see the video. When I first saw the video, I was like, man, he's yelling at the quarterback like that. Jones looks like he wanted to go, go after him a little yeah. bit. He was really ticked off, but he's not, you know, not going to do that. But it looked like he wanted to, to, to keep it going. And then when you find out Garrett's kind of in the middle of it, it makes sense, right? Everybody should be ticked off because even though the offense did score 29 points, they had countless opportunities, five field goals on the night. So there's got to be a lot of frustration. So once again, let's hear from Sterling Shepard on with Barton Hahn today. And he was asked, how do you turn around the season? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to preparation. The way we prepare and uh, taking care of those small details, that's something that Coach Judge has been harping on to us uh, as a unit and as a team. This week, going into this Atlanta week, is taking care of those small things. That's what it's going to come down to, and that's what we have to do in our preparation throughout the week. Tomorrow, we get a good jump on them and uh, get to watch your film and then really look at ourselves and see if we're taking care of everything throughout the week to, to correct what we did not so well the week before. So, Gordon, that's always the interesting question, right? And, and when players say it's about our preparation, in the back of your mind, you're saying, you mean you weren't prepared for last week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's just something that people That's their say. catchphrase, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. Uh, I, I would be – kind. Of, I think this is all just kind of the, the, the residue of the fact that they didn't have a lot of these guys during the preseason. Mm-hmm. They didn't play a lot during – they had those joint practices, but – you know, Galladay was missing for so much of the time. Saquon was getting ramped up to speed. Uh, the tight end was was dealing with stuff. So uh, Evan Ingram isn't there right now. So there's a lot of stuff. You know, unfortunately, if, if Galladay is not the, the focus that you want him to be and Saquon is not up to speed fully because of the injury, you're talking about basically the same offense as last year. And, that, yeah. and, that, and that's what we all said they had to improve on from last year, right? It's Sterling mm-hmm. Shepard. It's Darius Slayton um, and uh, not a lot of a running game. So, yeah, I mean, they got to get Galladay involved. This is why you went out and you spent all that money on him. So the Falcons would seem to be the perfect team to get right against. Yeah, it, w- it should be. Gordon, I, I thought you might have a chance there. 
With the Rays and Jays? Yeah, I, I, I was hoping. Bases loaded, two out? Yep, not to be. Not to be. Well, look, you know, the Yankees have to uh, have to take care of their business. You know what? Yep. If they take care of their business, the, the final, what, 10 games of the season, mm-hmm. well, then they'll have a chance. And if they don't, they'll have nobody to blame but themselves. You know, if they go 8-2 these next 10 games, I think they'll get in. Okay. All right. Go 8-2. and two. I mean, go beat some, you know, you've been waiting all year to, to, to get down to the nitty-gritty. You knew it was going to come kind of down to the wire. So uh, the, the, the whole plan of resting guys and being ready to go <laughs> and all this type of stuff, there's no more time to wait. Whatever you got, give it what you got now. And it seems like maybe you're getting a little bit healthier now, but, um, you know, every time you start to have a little bit of hope or a little bit of faith, the Yankees maybe figure things out. They take that and they flush it right down the toilet. So yeah, yeah. they got 10 games left to see what they got. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And listen, they're playing the teams they got to beat. Exactly. You know, you got you got, you got Boston this weekend. <laughs> Take care of business, right in right. front of you. Exactly. I mean, that's the nice thing. The Yankees have proved. Like you might think, well, you know, it'd be better to be playing the Orioles and the Rangers and all. You didn't beat those teams when you played them. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, the, the the sight of the Red Sox and the the sight of the Rays and the Blue Jays, maybe that gets them their their juices flowing. Or it'll be the final example of how this team did not measure up to those teams. Yeah. Didn't get it done in the big spot. Right. That's it. Last one from Sterling Shepard Gordon. He was asked how confident he is in Daniel Jones. I'm super confident in that guy. I mean, he's seen it these first two weeks and just how he's elevated his game and some of the things that he's learned from past seasons and corrected. We just got to continue to, to do our part around him and get open, uh, protect him, and he'll keep making plays like he has. And not even to mention he's able to, to run the ball as well, as you can see last week and uh, some of the previous games. So as long as we all do our, do our part, Daniel will carve it up. Listen, the way he and Daniel Jones have been working together, I know he's real confident in Jones right now. Yeah, I mean they they uh, they picked up right where they were last year, uh, and it was tough last year for Shepard because he was so much more of a focus. Where with Galladay, at least I think that he is able to kind of you know play in the slot a little bit more, get a little bit easier matchup, and it, it's clear that those are the two guys that have a pretty good a pretty good chemistry, right? Like it really hasn't connected yet with Kenny Galladay, but for for Sterling Shepard, he's he's gotten off to a great start. He's got 16 receptions out of 19 targets for 207 yards in the touchdown. He's averaging just under 13 yards per reception. His longest is 37, and he's split. It's like 103 and a half yards per game. So he's been the guy that, that he's been their big play guy right now. And, you know, they need, they're going to need some other people. Once again, Darius Slayton, you know, we, we kind of passed over him a little bit. But, you know, if he, if he makes that catch, it's also another different story with the game last week, Gordon. He was wide open and dropped the pass, heading towards the, streaking towards the end zone. So I guess that's part of what the preparation is. It's also, as coaches always talk about, Gordon, it's about execution. And so they have to make sure they make those plays. And, you know, I know Slayton is still kicking himself when he goes back over the video. But the important thing, as Ryan, Rex Ryan used to always say, is – you can't lose this week looking back at last week, right? You can't lose two games off of one game, off of one loss. So they have to turn all that stuff around offensively and put things together. And hopefully with the injuries to the offensive line, they can find a little groove there and, and you know, take, take some pressure off this defense while it finds itself and go down the field. How about a nice nine, 10 play drive to get into to the end zone and give that defense a break? 
Yeah, I, I, I took a look at it. The Falcons so far this year have uh, one turnover. They got one mm. fumble. They've not intercepted a pass in two games. They have four sacks on the season. They're not a good defense. They're not a good team. So this, uh, you know, as I said, this is a get-right game. And I would think that I know that they want to take it slow with them and they want to. They don't want to burn them out early, especially with the short turnaround in week two and all that type. I think it's time to take the gloves off Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's time for Jason Garrett to get him so the ball in space. Uh, it, you know, he's been in there. It's not like, oh, well, you know, we're going to rotate him in, rotate him out. He's been in there quite a bit, plenty of snaps for him. But outside of that one run, they were not able to get him really going. So I think that this is a week where if, you're, if you want to talk about the best version of the Giant offense, the biggest thing that's missing, missing from this offense so far is mm-hmm. the explosiveness of Saquon Barkley. And this would be a good week to maybe get him involved early on in a way that gets him the ball and lets him go. Because you saw on that 41-yard run, he still has, you know, he might be coming off the surgery, but he still has an explosive burst. So um, it's about time that they, 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 they start to get some dividends from him. And, you know, use him differently, Gordon. Put him, out of, put him in the slot. You don't have to hand something. him the ball. Right. Do something, something. where he Get gets him involved. Get him pass out of the backfield. Yeah. Something. Right. Yeah. I mean, running him into the line, we have seen that Saquon Barkley, if you're not going to give him anything to work, you know, you got to give him something to work with. And, yeah. and a lot of times that offensive line is not. I mean, I, if I had a dollar for every time Saquon Barkley was running into the back of an offensive lineman, I'd be a pretty rich man. And there has been some criticism too, Gordon, about him, you know, not taking the easy. The same thing we were talking about with Zach Wilson, right? They would play short games right in front of you, hit the guy, right, hit the check down, and move, keep the chains moving. Some folks have figured that that have the conversation that you know Barkley doesn't seem Barkley seems like he wants to hit the home run every time. He won't take the two three yards to to get going to get a rhythm going. You know he wants to he just wants the big play. Now I don't I don't know I don't know him that well. I don't think that's what he's thinking, Gordon. I think he wants to you know move the chains and that's what he wants to do. And then you know sometimes you you chip away at, at the defense and then the big hole opens and you have the big run. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm sure. You know, just putting yourself in his shoes, right? He missed all of last season. He feels probably like he's let the team down because he's been hurt as much as he has been. And after all that rehab, all that work to get back on the field, I'm sure, like, he's like, yeah, you know, I want I want to bust this one. I want to break a 50-yard touchdown. I want to – but, yeah, sometimes you just have to kind of take what's available to you. And, uh, you know, outside of that 41-yard run, he's not done a whole lot. Right, we were talking during the yep. game last week where he had one, the forty-one yard run for one carry for forty-one yards, and then like in the third quarter he had eight carries for forty-one yards. <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah. need to be a mathematician to know that. Uh, yeah, he he did not. Uh, he's not exactly um, hitting the ground running just yet. No, and part of that could be the offensive line. The holes are not where he expects when he gets to the line of scrimmage, and maybe he's not comfortable, Gordon, in leg around a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like what we say, talk about Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady doesn't want you around his legs. He gets skittish, all this stuff, all these things. Maybe in his mind, he feels better, obviously, with a big hole that nobody's going to bother his leg. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he's not over that by now, playing behind the Giants the last three years, I, 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 for him, I think he better get used to not there. They're not being some big giant hole. You know, if you see a little bit of a crack of daylight, run towards that because that's probably all you're going to get. Um Look, the offensive line has not been the issue that I thought it was going to be coming into the season. Mm-hmm. I think it's given Daniel Jones some time, especially mm-hmm. going up against – I mean, you'd have to say two pretty good defenses, right? Yeah, Broncos are a sure. pretty good defense. Washington's a pretty good defense. So, um, 
I don't know necessarily that run blocking is a strength. I think right now so much of the focus is making sure that Daniel Jones is not getting murdered behind the line of scrimmage. So, uh, but yeah, I mean they have to get the, they have to get some semblance of a running game. Uh, if you if if your best offensive player is Saquon, then you've got nothing out of him the first two weeks. Now part of that was by design because you're gonna, but if you're at week three, right? Yep we got to get moving here. Like we don't have time to wait until week eight to get Saquon, you know, Oh, it's about the long haul. You know, I mean, yes, it is, but it wasn't an overuse injury. It was a a torn ligament. Now the the ligaments healed. And and again, I'm I'm not saying feed them to the wolves, but I think at some point you got to be like, you got to trust it, right? Like the player has to trust that his injury is healed and he's got to get the sense of getting hit again. I think that would be over now. And I think it's time to, you know, get him 15, 20 carries and see what he can do. Well, Daniel Jones got no trouble running the ball. <laughs> he's got 122 no, no, yards I mean, in two games. Yeah, I mean, he's been great. He's been great. I mean, he's been a lot better. You know, if it, if it were not for that one fumble, yeah, uh, I think you would feel a lot better about where the quarterback is at because he was good. He was good Thursday night. He I mean, was. if he if he plays like that They're each be and okay every week, you'll be fine off. You should be fine offensively. Of course, yeah. uh, you need the defense to step up too. Yeah, and as you mentioned, that schedule is going to be tough. So he, he, I don't know if he'll be able to play that way, Gordon, against some of the teams that he's going to face because if your defense is not playing their best, the opposing offenses are going to put you in a situation where you're in come-from-behind mode. And in come-from-behind mode, you, you, you're going to be one-dimensional, right? <laughs> because you right. have to pass to get back into the game. And so they're just going to peel, peel their ears back and just rush the passer, rush the passer, rush the passer. Yeah, and look, these next two weeks, I think, will really kind of tell you where the Giants are at. You get the Falcons at home, and then you play the Saints. I don't know where that game is going to be, but that that's that's that should be a winnable game, right? That should be a, a pretty good game for the Giant defense to kind of get right as well with Jameis, who's been known to, to turn it over a time or two. And, mm-hmm. and if you can win these next two weeks, and you kind of have to win these next two weeks because, oh, yeah. again, if you win this week and then you lose the next, you're still staring at one and three. That's still not very good. Um, th- that's not what this year was supposed to be. This year was supposed to be the year that, you know, just simply getting to 500 was not the goal about having, it was supposed to be a, about more than that, nine, maybe 10 wins, division, playoffs, those kind of goals. And um, so, if you, but if you can get a win against the Falcons, which if you don't, well, then everything else is, <laughs> write everything else off. Yeah. Uh, and then the Saints the next week, you're back at two and two. It's just the first quarter of the season. And maybe you feel like, you know what, with all that they've overcome in terms of injuries and training camp and, and questions about the line or the quarterback, then maybe you might be feel like, you know what, um, maybe this is it's not it's not written off the way that a lot of people have been writing them off here after a, a one-point loss on the road to a division rival. Let's go to the phone, Gordon. Buddha's in the Bronx. Buddha, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. My guys, what's going on, guys? Buddha. What's up, Buddha? Ain't nothing, man. Let's, let's talk a little Jets a couple of days ago. First of all, I got to address, you know, Greeny, you know, I love him to death, man. But, um, you know, I remember Burt Sugar, and I'm paraphrasing. He had this uh, little spiel he was talking about Mike Tyson. He's like, yeah, you know, I know a very sensitive Mike Tyson. He said, I know a Mike Tyson who's a nice guy. He said, I know a Mike Tyson who's a nice, who's a bad guy pretending to be a nice guy. <laughs> you know, Greeny's all over the place, but. He's all over the place. He's One emotional. One minute is patience. He is, what? <laughs> One minute is patience. The next minute, you know, uh, we got to scrap everything. I mean, let, let's let this play out. But, um, you know, I'm looking at this at the schedule. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
it's looking pretty tough. You know, <laughs> you know Coach Stroud, he's got a big uh, a slate ahead of him. You know, that Broncos game, I, I mean, we know what that's going to be, especially yep. with the altitude. and We, we know what that's going to be. Tennessee Titans, you know what that's going to be. So I'm looking at the Falcons, the Pats again, the Bengals, the Texans, and the Jags. There's a way to possibly get to five wins, but it's looking tough. And um, what I'll say is for, for, for Coach Caesar Salas, there's this two things that he needs to handle. Um, first thing is we discussed this a thousand times. You know, forget about just being a defensive coach or you being a guy who was a defensive coordinator before. You know, taking a head job, you got to do the CEO thing. You got to be in charge. I always spoke about this when we called you um, on Sunday after the game. You got to pull the floor in. Look, this is what it is. This is what we're trying to do. You know, I, I, this is part of the reason why when Bill Cowher and people didn't really realize what he was doing, he was like, you know, auditioning for the Jets job on CBS. And the reason why I wanted him is when you get a, a veteran coach who brings in, like, their staff, they understand the philosophy that the head coach is trying to run, all of that. But they're very good with a young quarterback because they have that cachet where they're like, look, I know I've won before. This is what we're going to do. This is what I need you to do. Similar to, like, what you said all the time about how Tony Richardson and them were talking, you know, to Mark Sanchez about what he needs to do. But the second thing, besides speaking on the floor and, and, and like getting that straight, you know, there, there, there was no reason for him to throw two more interceptions after those first two. You know, besides that, though, and, you know, this has become a hot-button topic. You know, Boss Scott's been talking about it all week. Uh, a lot of callers have called in and spoke about it. You know, it's Mims. And, 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 and it's a two-way street. First of all, with Mims, I'll just say this to you. My brother, your first name is Denzel. Boy, boy, I expect excellence from you. So if they need you to learn two or three other positions, you need to learn those two, three other positions and and get that down. But aside from that, though, aside from that, similar to looking at what Harbaugh did with Lamar Jackson the other night, the way the Andy Reid works with uh, Mahomes, the same way McDermott works with Josh Allen, you got to look at the player and say, look, he could do two of six things that I need him to do. I want him to get to those six things, but until we get there, I'm going to figure out a way I could put him in the offense to get these two things done. Because Boss Scott said something, and it was very powerful, and I had spoken to you about this a thousand times, you know, and I love y'all. Listen, we got an issue here with talent, evaluation, scouting, and then also the way that the media and the fans perceive it. The the stuff that pisses me off is when people just have this divine faith. Listen to me. Corey Davis is a number two receiver on a very good team. Makai Becton is a right tackle on a very good team. Instead of us trying to boost these guys up and put them in positions that they're not capable of holding that weight. Let's, let's do what we need to do and evaluate. Denzel Mims, athletically, size-wise, is the best prospect that the Jets have at wide receiver. They got to figure out a way to work that kid in there. I'm sorry. Seriously. Well, I have yeah, to but, say, but, Buddha, and, but, and the question is going to be, Gordon, and thanks for the call, Buddha, the question is going to be, it, here's what it sounds like to me. 
that Salah's more interested in establishing a culture exactly. than winning games right now. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it's about winning games, but like, if you have a guy who was a high pick, who everybody thinks is going to be this unbelievable talent, and you're telling him, well, you know, all the receivers have to know this and that and this and that. And this one guy doesn't know all those things. How can you look the other four or five guys and say, well, I'm going to play this guy even though he didn't, he didn't do what I asked him to do, which seems like it's a pretty basic thing to do. And it's not like Mims had some unbelievable rookie season where you're like, oh, my God, this guy can't be stopped. I mean, he, he was okay, and, and I, I'll, I'll grant you, he looks like an amazing prospect. But obviously the Jets don't believe that to be the case because look at what they did this offseason. They went out and signed Corey Davis to that contract. They went out and they, they brought back Crowder, you know, all the guys that I've, I've mentioned a thousand times. And that was, you know, be one thing. If Mims was the pick of McCagnan, he was the pick of Douglas. Mm-hmm. Douglas is the guy who picked him. And Sal is saying, no, he's not. I mean, he, he's not going to get any run. I, I have to think that you have to, if you have any faith in, in Salah as all, at all as a head coach, I think you kind of have to side with him on this. Yeah, I, I know, and I hear what you're saying, and you do, because this is what you brought him in to do. You brought him in to change the culture of this team. I just think from a Jet fan's perspective, Gordon, when you've seen, okay, he doesn't run routes right, he doesn't do this. I mean, you know, Robbie Anderson could only one run one route, the go route. Right. And that's all he did. And yeah. so, and he continued to play. And so you, the Jet fan is like, okay, I know he can do that. Even if, he, even, if you, even if you put him out there and say, run the go route, at least because of his speed, he would open some stuff up for somebody else which would make Zach Wilson's job a little easier. So I think that's what the fan is battling with, with, okay, we get what we get that he has an obligation, that he's supposed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. But in the meantime, okay, you're not getting the receivers aren't doing their job either. So even though they may be playing two, three, four different positions, Gordon, we're not seeing any return. <laughs> so, if, okay, what are we, what are we going to do here? So I think that's where the Jet fan is torn between. But has it really been the play of the receivers or has it been the play of the quarterback? It's been the play. Well, it's been the play of the quarterback. It's been the play of the receivers. It's been the the play of the offensive line. It's it's been a lot of stuff. The receivers didn't look so bad when in the second quarter of the Carolina game, he got a little bit of time to throw and it seemed like they they found some stuff that he, you know, he, he could, you know, deal with in that moment. All of a sudden, you know, he's, he's, he's launching some passes and some guys are ca- – now, look, Corey Davis, that second interception, he's got to be able to, to bring that in and hit yep. him in the hands. It wasn't the greatest throw, but that's a catch that he has to make. And mm-hmm. Buda's right. Corey Davis, he was the top five pick in the draft. I Tennessee know. allowed him to leave. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So the mm-hmm. idea that he was this, you know, great free agent, maybe he is being, um, you know, overrated a little bit in some Jet fans' eyes. But I think that if, if, if your job as Robert Sala, if we list all the things that you would want him to do, right, you got two buttons, and you either want to win more games right now or you want to build what the Jets are going to be, not only now but in the future, I think that that second button is the one that he kind of has to go with, mm-hmm. more so than that first one about, hey, let's put him out there, let's see what he can do. You know, they, they, it's like when, when Neil Aquino, right, when people used to call about Neil, why isn't Neil Aquino playing? 
Well, there's a reason why Neil Aquina ain't playing, right? Like, it's not like Tom Thibodeau is saying, you know what? I just don't like that Neil Aquina. Obviously, he doesn't think that he can help. Mm-hmm. And I would think that that's probably the same thing with Mims, despite the fact he was this high draft pick and he does look like an amazing talent. Well, it's in his court now, Gordon. That's for sure. And if, yep. he's, if, if he wants to perform and prove, every, prove the coaching staff wrong, then he's got to do what they ask him to do. And when he gets on the field, make the most of his opportunity. And the other thing that really kind of spurs on the Jet fan, Gordon, is very simply, he may they put him out there late in the game. 40 yards, right. It's like, okay, so why, if that's the case, why'd you put him in then? If he hadn't learned all these routes, hadn't done any of that stuff, why well, did I think you play it's a, him you know, then? He, I think they kind of looked at it as you know, end of the game, plus mm-hmm. that week two guys were hurt, so maybe give, you know, throw him out there for one play. and, and, and I, I'm sure he played more than that one play, but that mm-hmm. one play, okay, great. Um, uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it, it's that shocking to me. that There's plenty of guys who are high draft picks that for whatever reason – they just don't fire. And, um, you know, just because he had one catch for 40 yards, I don't know that um, Robert Sala at this point can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Mims and all these other guys. I mean, it's only two weeks, right? Like, we yeah. don't know. We really don't know what the 2021 Jets are going to be yet. No. We don't we know no what clue. the 2021 Giants are going to be. We don't know what any of these teams really are. What Chiefs, the, the, the Ravens, we kind of know what they are going to be. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the emerging teams, the building teams, we don't know yet. So – I think that maybe if you get to the, you know, through four games and the offense kind of looks like this and they're not really scoring any points, well, then maybe, you know, they, they can say, well, you know, we feel like Mims has is, is, is made the effort some and we can kind of meet him halfway in terms of getting him out on the field. But if, you, if you're saying all these things in training camp like Robert Sala was, if he says all these things after the first two games of the season – Boy, it seems kind of hypocritical to all of a sudden in week three say, you know what? Well, we really need him, so let's give him a shot. And it doesn't really matter if you know all those things. It really kind of shoots your credibility in the foot. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.